Good morning, friends, and uh, good to see you and good to see some familiar uh, faces. Uh, my name is Joe, and um, I'm humbled to have an opportunity to speak to you uh, about uh, what God has been speaking to me in the, in the past 20 years. <clears throat> and, um, and what we're going to do today, uh, this morning, we, we're going to do, to do it together. And, and there are three things I want you to do. Uh, with me. First is uh, we're going to uh, hear about uh, the story in the Bible about God and his people. And then the second thing I want you to do um, is to, as you listen, to really think about what the, 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 the story is telling you uh, to, to your particular circumstances. And number three, I think it's uh, very, very important. We're going to allow you time to do it uh, this uh, morning is not only to hear the story and to hear what God is telling you, but to have a time now, because it's, it's, it's so precious for you to be here, whether online or physically, to reflect on uh, what does it mean to your life and how you're going to respond to God's uh, message to you this morning. Uh, not my message to you, but God's message to you, because God knows exactly what's going through in your life. So, Shall we do that? Are the three things? And um, so while I'm speaking, maybe you can pray about this as to what God is speaking to you uh, uh, this morning. So let us pray before we start. Uh, Holy Spirit, um, we, um, we invite your presence and I invite you to take over from me now and uh, speak to us uh, individually because you know exactly what is going on in each of our lives. So Holy Spirit, please come and uh, take your place and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, so today, um, before we go to the, um, the Bible passage is, is about no longer slaves, I want to tell you about the context of the Bible passage. And it all started with uh, a person named Joseph. Not, not me, Joseph, but Joseph in Genesis and uh, he was sold as a slave to Egypt, and he uh, was put into prison for a crime he never committed. Uh, and through the grace of God, he was released. He was brought up to be the second man in Egypt, and he was in charge of the government. And through him and uh, the help of God, he saved many lives during the seven years of famine. After seven very good years of harvest, uh, Egypt and the surrounding area faced immense difficulty, and through Joseph, he saved many, many lives, including lives of his family, uh, his father Jacob and his brothers. And through that, uh, he brought his whole family to Egypt, and they stayed there uh, with Joseph. And after Joseph died, they continued to stay there, and they multiplied, and, uh, and God was with them, and therefore they multiplied uh, abundantly. And the Bible said that um, uh, they were seen, the, the whole land is filled with them. I think in the Bible, it, it, um, it says the whole land is filled with them. So um, they, were, they were fruitful, and uh, because they've grown in such a way that uh, they became a threat to um, the, the people in Egypt. And the king of Egypt was concerned about this power, and therefore they decided to make them slaves. They decided to uh, to rule over them, lord over them, and therefore they became their slave masters and they worked very hard at them. 
and uh, the Israelites have to work long hours and under very harsh conditions and, and provide a labor force for the Egyptian government. Uh, but the harder they were pressed, uh, the more they multiplied. And, and that's how God's economics works. The, the harder you press them, but with God, they multiply even more. So um, it came to a stage that the king, the king of Egypt decided that I need to do something. So he decided to kill the firstborn son of uh, any Hebrew families. He's trying to kill um, them in order to stop them from growing. And one of the boys who survived is a boy named Moses. And he grew up and fast forward one day, uh, Moses uh, met God. And, and this is what uh, God said to uh, Moses in Exodus 3. And essentially what God said is, I, uh, God said, I, I heard the cry and the oppression of my, my, my people. I heard their cry and therefore I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to bring them to a place filled with milk and honey. And I'm going to send you, Moses, to go and set them free. So that is the context of what we are speaking. And what happened is that Moses went to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh obviously refused to let him go. So uh, God has actually done, um, uh, put, put uh, calamities, troubles on, on the uh, Egyptians, and uh, nine miracles, nine plagues. Uh, and still uh, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he refused to let them go until... Uh, God actually put in the game changer, the 10th plaque, which is the killing of the firstborn in every household of Egypt. So it is that night uh, when the spirit of death uh, arrived at uh, Egypt that uh, God asked the Israelites to gather together and get ready to go. So a lot of things is that get ready to go. And that's, that's the reason why you have this... Uh, um, uh, uh, unleavened bread and so on, is because they are in a hurry. Uh, and, um, and God said, uh, I'm going to send my spirit and kill the firstborn son. And in order to protect you, you have to sacrifice um, a, a sacrificial lamb and put the blood on the door. So my, my, my spirit of death came, I will pass over and not come into your household and kill your son. And, and that's how the sons were saved. Uh, and that's the Passover uh, uh, Event and that's the Passover festival that the Jews do celebrate uh, today. And uh, I just met uh, someone in the first service that we, in fact, had actually ate, ate a Passover meal with uh, a Jewish friend who uh, who explained to us what it means by each dish uh, when they tell the story about what happened at that time when God saved them and brought them out of Egypt, uh, so that they remember what God has done to save them. So. So what, what happened is then uh, uh, Pharaoh had no choice b because um, that is too great uh, uh, pressure. So they let them go. And as soon as they left Egypt, he changed his mind. So he chased after them. And uh, God did another miracle at the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea. He parted the water and, and let them walk on dry ground uh, to the place of safety. And he drowned all the animal, enemies, uh, i.e. the armies who chased after them. And that's how God freed the Israelites from slavery and brought them out to safety. And they were in the wilderness of Israel. And um, they were wandering, and they, they, they know that God is going to bring them to the promised land. And they sent uh, spies to check out the land. And um, 12 spies went from the 12 tribes 
and they came back and they uh, reported what happened. And uh, as usual, they, they said, uh, they're good news and they're bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? So the good news is, uh, is really good uh, land, very fertile, uh, very, very, very good land. Uh, and, and they are very prosperous there. And what's the best news? The, the bad news is really they are strong and they are powerful and their lands are strongly fortified. So there's no way we can, we can capture their land. Um, they, are, they, are, they are Nephium, they are giants, and comparing with them, we are just like grasshopper. So that's the context. And one of, uh, and, and one of the people who actually went there who have faith in God is a, a guy called Caleb. Caleb okay? And this is what um, we're going to read uh, today in Numbers 13.30 to uh, Numbers 14.4. And, and let's read it together and see what happened. So then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. He's positive. But that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. And then they said, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So I want to ask you, what happened if they actually went back to Egypt? What do you think would happen to them if they turned around and went back to Egypt after all these things. Yeah, they will become slaves again. I think horrible things will happen to them. A lot of them will be killed, will be severely punished. Uh, they will put in system to stop them from leaving. They will work them even harder. Their life will be even uh, more bitter. Uh, whatever freedom they might have will be taken away so that they will become slaves for the rest of their life and the lives of their children and grandchildren. Now, logical, isn't it? I mean, you, you know um, this is going to happen. But why would they still want to go back to Egypt? Is what we want to explore today. Why would they still want to go back to Egypt? And I think there are two reasons for that. I think the first reason is because they don't trust that God is going to really deliver them and bring them to the land filled with milk and honey. Lord is not going to give them victory over those very powerful people with fortified cities. They don't believe that. They don't trust that God is going to do that despite the miracles they have seen despite the fact that God has saved their life when they walk through the waters, they still have difficulty trusting God that he will deliver them. And what is the second reason? And I think the second reason is what I want to discuss with you today and let's explore as to why God might be talking to each and every one of us this morning. And I think the second reason is this is that even though they are 
physically freed from slavery from Egypt. But deep down, they still think they are slaves. And deep down, they still think, despite the hardship they had in Egypt, they still belong to Egypt. And I think that is the problem. And that is the reason why when they face adversity, they chose their inner voice, what they believe deep down, then trusting God. So they became slaves to the past that continues to haunt them. <clears throat> so you might ask, what, what does that have, that have to do with us, right? It's about a story in the Bible and what does that have to do with us? And I think it has everything to do with us because many of us are like the Israelites. Many of us are like the Israelites. We hear about God. You came to church. You, you have experienced miracles or you hear about miracles that God has done in, in the life of um, your friends and your family. But when you face adversity, when you face pressures in your life, when things really... Um, are not going well and, and people press your button, you, you, you express anger or depressions or you are, you are extremely fearful, right? And you do not believe that God is going to help you, right? And the problem of a lot of us is that when we are faced with all these issues, our inner voice said to us that no matter how hard I tried, I'm not going to get out of it. And there's nothing I can do to get out of it. There's nothing God can do to help me to get out of it. I think that's the problem. And that's what we want to explore today as to why we had that issue and how God is going to help us with that issues. Uh, I'm going to show you this, this um, metaphor, an, an, a setter personal iceberg metaphor that we have studied in this church uh, on, on a, uh, two curriculums talking about this. And essentially, this is a metaphor to help us to understand um, us beyond our behavior. Our behavior is the one above the water, but really our, what happened underwater are the real problems and really help us to understand uh, what is underwater, like our feelings, our feelings about our feelings, our expectations, our, uh, our yearnings, what is our deepest yearnings, and uh, under, underneath what is our self, right? What is our self? And that is important because um, there's no, no use for us, or it's ineffective. I wouldn't say no use, but it's ineffective for us to try to deal with our behavioral issues like anger, depressions, uh, always being fearful and so on without really going down to the root of the problem and deal with the root of the problems. Because if we are only trying to deal with and manage our behavior, uh, I'm, I, I mean, in my case and in many other people's case, I think we are bound to fail. And we will, you will feel even more frustrated 
and, and we will feel even more defeated and shameful because we are unable to deal with our behavior. And, and, and that's what I um, want to say. And that is the bottom of it. And the bottom is called self. It, it's about who we are, who we have been, and who we always be. You know, it's the core belief that we have and is the, is the inner voice that speaks to us, uh, especially at a time of uh, stress and distress. Uh, and this is who, who we are, what we believe. And, and that is important because, because look at your life. You know, think about your life. Uh, just take an example. Would, would you... Would you uh, be extremely fearful when some things happened. Not, not everything, but when certain things happened, it made you very fearful. And, and, and when you analyze it rationally, there's no objective reason why you should be so fearful. You will be um, quite afraid, you know, every, quite afraid, but not, not to the extreme extent, extent that you have experienced. Right? Um, or take another example, um, when, when, when someone criticizes you, okay, at work or in the family or in school, when someone criticizes you, you felt extremely uh, unhappy and depressed and defensive about it, right? extremely. And, and, and people said, why are you so defensive? Why are you so defensive? Uh, and you don't know, you know? You don't know why you're so defensive, but... But you were, you were defensive. And, and that's um, what I want to introduce to you is we really need to go beyond our behavior and go down to see actually what is going to happen, what's actually happened inside us uh, in, in this core belief in itself and what's, what's happening. And in the context of what we have seen in the story, I'm going to ask three questions and let's explore three questions together and see what God might be speaking to you this morning. And the first question is this, is what is your wilderness moment? And by wilderness moment, I said, uh, what is a moment when, when you feel stressed and, um, and, you, and you lost it in extreme anger? Or, or some of the people, they, they were not expressed externally, they were expressed internally, and you got very depressed and you isolated yourself, you don't want to meet any, anyone, and you got very depressed for a very long time. Okay, well, and what is your wilderness moment? Because it's important for us to identify that in order for us to deal with that. And I would suggest that, think about last time you had this moment, and what happened. And, and, and try to go deep as, as to what actually is, uh, drove you to that behavior. What, what kind of fear do you have? Right? And, and it's important for us to, to write it down because, because as you write it down and you have more of these um, um, records, it's going to help you. Now, some of the, some of the things I, I've listed out uh, in the PowerPoint, is it when people rejected you or or treat you as invisible, or when they criticize your performance or your look, or when people look down on you. Very often, people don't look down on you, but you feel that people look down on you. Right? When you feel that people look down on you, did you have that wilderness moment? Or when you face financial difficulties, 
or something wrong with your health, or when you see no future or hope in what you do. And that's what I call the wilderness moment, time when you're under stress. I'm not talking about a little bit of stress because everyone would not like it to be rejected. I'm talking about that extreme kind of reaction that you have. And each, each and every one of us will have different reactions to different things. But what was or is your wilderness moment? So that's the first question I want you to reflect this morning. And the second question I want you to reflect this morning is this question. What was your Egypt experience? What was your Egypt experience? And the Egypt experience was the experience that you had when you were growing up. You know, a lot of times is is your family circumstances. Uh, what you experience when you're growing up as a child. And sadly, a lot of times, most of the times, 99% of the times, uh, it's not your fault because you, you just happen to be born in that family. You just happen to be born in your family. You can't choose your parents. You can't choose your siblings. You're born in that family. And, um, and whether because during um, the time when you are growing up, you are being neglected or abandoned, you have parents, but your parents are absent in your life? Is it because you have difficult parents? Uh, you know, we've seen difficult parents who love the child very much. They're tiger moms, you know, tiger, tiger dad, and, and they really want their, their, their children to succeed, and therefore they, they drive them very hard. You know, they are, they are, they are driven CEO in companies, and they use this, the, 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 the type of skill that they drive their staff to drive the children. So they drive them mad over dinner table, sadly. Uh, or, or is it because you have master family, you know, and you have siblings or you have, you have parents who have their own issues because they are, they are also children of their families and, and they have problems and therefore they have a lot of issues and they see their issues, you see their fight and so on. And that's what happened when, uh, you know, you have people who have uh, parents divorced and, and, and I'm sad uh, I know it's very, very difficult. Relationships are extremely difficult. And, and, and I, I appreciate that when you divorce and you don't see that person anymore and, and you can avoid having this argument and so on. But do think about what is the impact on your children. And the impact on the children is significant. I'm sure that there are, and, and I know there are a lot of people that are trying to mitigate against that. But um, this is what it is. You know, uh, you might come from a family where your parents pass away or you, your parents divorced. Or whether it's because you're bullied in school or, or even worse, uh, assaulted sexually or physically, especially by those people whom you trusted. And, and I heard a story, which is very, very sad, sad story, especially about sexual abuse, is quite often by people that you know and by people that you trust and those people hurt you a lot, you know, and you put a trust and they betray your trust and, uh, and abused that person. Horrible. And, and whether it's because your family and, uh, and have serious financial problems or, or you have disability when you're growing up and therefore you're always being made fun of and so on, 
There are a lot of things could be your Egypt moment. So this morning, I want you to ask yourself, go back to your childhood. What was my Egypt moment? And, and the problem is this, is when we are, we are growing up and as we become more sophisticated and educated and so on, and life experience grow, we, we try to ignore this. But the problem is, if, unless we identify and deal with these childhood issues, they're going to be there and shape our inner voice and they're going to be there to affect our relationship with other people and especially how we treat ourselves. And a lot of problems happen because we are, we are not identifying and dealing with these uh, Egypt moments. So, so think about that. So that's the, that's the second question. And the third question, and you probably guess what I'm going to, to ask you about the third question, is uh, what, are, what, are, what are the core belief that you have? What, what, what is the core belief? What's the inner voice which has been talking to you every time you are stressed or angry or bitter? And what are the things that you felt that you have bondage to? And, and that is the, the, the third question. And, and very often when you drill down that iceberg and deep down is about fear and deep down is about um, something which is, um, we say to ourselves that I do not deserve to be loved because of certain things. I don't deserve to be loved. Is it because I'm not good enough? You know, I, I, I try very hard. I try, I try very hard at work and I succeed at work. I try very hard in school and I succeed in school because, because if I'm good, I'm good enough, I'm loved. But the problem is, you, you can never o- always succeed in work. And there will be times that you will fail and there will be times that you face difficulties. And, and that's the problem is when, when stress comes because you feel that you are not good enough to be loved. Or whether it's because you feel that uh, deep down you are a failure, even though you are not a failure. Objectively speaking, you are definitely not a failure. But deep down, you feel that you are a failure because maybe your parents said you are a failure or he treated you as a failure. Or whether you, because people said you are not pretty. I, I always said to my, my, my daughter, the best thing a parents can give to the daughter is to, to tell them that you are pretty. It's much better for you not to be not so pretty, but you feel that you are pretty, than you, it, then you are pretty, but you always feel that you are not pretty en- enough. Right? And that is the problem. Or whether it's because you are poor or you are an orphan uh, born out of a marriage or worse still, because when you're growing up, your parents hated you. You, you felt it strange why your parents hated you. But, but there are some of us, I mean, when you're growing up, your parents doesn't want you, hated you. And, and that is uh, horrible. So this morning, whether online or here in church, I want uh, uh, you to do two things. Because the good news I'm going to bring you is because um, that uh, you know Jesus and Jesus is going to set you free. And therefore, I'm going to ask you to spend time to reflect and to respond by asking the Holy Spirit to identify 
what is the root cause of your fear? And answer those three questions. Ask, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. And, and I think there's something good about these bad things, about this sudden anger or depressions, things that you have done and said and you regret it immediately. And there's something good about that in Christ. And that is, it reveals where the cracks are in you. And it reveals the inner voice, the fake, the, the untrue voice that you have that needs to be set free. And it's through this moment, this wilderness moment, that you feel, you feel ashamed of yourself of doing all these things, that in fact, they're good out of bad because God, through this, showed you where you need to go and ask God to set you free. So that's the first thing I want you to pray about now in this service. And the second thing I want you to do is, is to trust that God is going to save you and set you free from the slavery. And, and Jesus said in the Bible, He said, if you hold on to my teachings, then you know the truth and the truth will set you free. And, and, I, and I can't agree more. The truth will set you free because the, as soon as you replace the wrong concept of yourself by the truth, then the truth will set you free. As, as soon as you replace that you are not deserved to be loved to God love me no matter what, then the truth will set you free. And in the Bible, um, it says, those who call upon the Lord will be saved. And, and as I prepare this, this, this verse came to me, and, and it says, those who call upon the Lord will be saved. It said, will be saved, not might be saved, will be saved. And, and the reason is this, as we accepted Christ as our Savior, and as we came to the family of God, we realized one thing. And the thing is that God has bought us as His slave. And in the Bible, it says, those are in Christ, we become slave of God's righteousness. We no longer slave to the other things that haunted us. We become slaves to God's righteousness. And, and God has paid a ransom for us. He paid a ransom to redeem us and the ransom cost Him dearly. And that ransom is the life of His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, the Bible said, and the truth said in John 3.16, now whilst we are still sinners, God sent His one and only Son to come and die for us so that we won't perish, but we'll have life and eternal life. And that is an important truth to understand because, because as we know Christ and we know what He has done for us, and as we know and study what happened when He picked up the cross and the humiliation, rejection, pain, suffering, the blood that He shed on the cross for us, we had the power to overcome that slavery that keep us in bondage. 
and, and, and that is important because, because when Jesus dying on the cross, when He's suffering, you know what happened? He prayed for us and He remembers us. He remembered you and He remembered me. And He remembered that in our darkest time, He's always with us. And He always loves us no matter how horrible our past is. He always loves us. And Jesus died and we lived. And this morning, some of us might be in difficult circumstances. Some of us heard about a sermon and, and know about their wilderness moment. There's no way He can get out of it. But this morning as we pray, we, we just want to pray for God to help us because as God helped the Israelites to escape by parting the Red Sea, I'm confident that God will hear your prayer. You might be in the darkest valley, but you don't need to stay there. God might not remove the difficult circumstances from you, but He will make a way for you to get through the difficult circumstances. And therefore, we can do all things in Christ who give us strength because God will not always take away our problems. He will not take away the people who cause you problems, but He will give you a way, a different way of looking at that so that you have a way out of the problems. And in the same way God heard the cry of the Israelites, He will hear the cry of you and He is going to bring you to the land filled with milk and honey where you have peace and joy no matter how much you earn what's the status you have you have that inner joy and inner peace and in the same way God helped and saved the first bond of the Israelites by the blood on the door of the sacrificial lamb by coming to Christ and receive Christ as a saviour we have the perfect sacrificial lamb which died for us and give us life and eternal life and this is what I want you to reflect and respond to God because for me my story is, is this is I I grew up in a family of many siblings and my mother died when I was seven. I, I still have some recollection of her. I had very fond memories of my mother who loved me a lot despite that we have a lot of uh, siblings. And when, when she died, I remember that I lost um, the woman that I loved and the woman that loved me. And, and from that day onwards, because I was too small and too young, I, I, I didn't actually know how to process. So I decided to retract and I decided to say that, look, um, no one loved me, you know. No one loved me anymore. Um, I'm on my own. I have to deal with all the problems on my own. And, and therefore, I, I started to build walls around me because I don't want people to get close to me. I don't want people to hurt me. And, and that made me a prisoner, a slave to my inner core, uh, which I built for myself because of my Egypt moment. And it was not until I knew Christ 20 years ago and, and I studied uh, about God and His character and I know about Him and I served Him and he, uh, he showed me who He is and what He can do. And one day I was in a retreat and I was sharing in other places. I really wanted to get out of retreat. It's a four days retreat. I wanted to get out of retreat. And, and that night, one Saturday night, I went into the chapel. I started to cry for the whole night. I couldn't stop crying because that night I saw God... Um, 
bringing me back to my childhood, my Egypt moment. And he said, when you are sad, Joe, I was there with you. When, when you felt that you were not loved, I was there holding your hands. And when you felt that uh, you had no way you can get through this problem in your life because you are on your own, I was, I was there. I was the one who was taking out all your obstacles and let you pass the problems. Therefore, you can survive. And he showed me that I was not alone because this morning I just felt that some of you really felt that this slavery of isolation, this slavery of loneliness that we have, despite that you have a lot of friends, despite that you have a job, you felt lonely. You don't feel loved. And I want you to, um, to pray, in a minute to pray, and, and, and I want you to make a decision. And the decision is who you're going to choose, because the Bible said no one can serve two masters, right? Either God or money in, 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 that, in that Bible story. But, but this morning, you're going to choose whether you're going to choose to stay in Egypt or whether you're going to choose to trust God and take a risk because He's going to bring you to the land filled with milk and honey. And you're going to choose whether to continue to be Egypt and continue to feel self-pitied and bitter or whether you're going to choose someone who loves you and call you friends and make you heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ for the kingdom of God. And someone is going to say to you, those who are worried and burdensome, come to me, Jesus said. Take up my yoke. I'm going to help you because my yoke is light. What Jesus is saying is, for those who are burdened, come to me. You're not my slave. You come to me. I'm going to help you to do your work. I'm going to give you life and life in abundance. So friends, if I may ask you to stand as we're going to have a time to pray and we're going to have time to pray for one another, I'm going to invite the prayer ministers to come up, uh, Pastor Brenda to come up. Uh, if you want someone to pray for you, if there's anything that uh, we talk about that you want, really want someone to pray for you, Masala and Julia, they're here. I'll be there to pray for you. But more important, you might, you might come with a friend and you know what's going on in your friend's or your family's life. And this is also an opportunity for you to just go to the person next to you and just to say a prayer for the person next to you. So there are plenty of opportunities for you to pray and reflect because it's so important for us to seize the opportunity to pray and reflect and make a decision and a commitment. So let us pray. Um, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, thank you. And uh, give us the, um, the courage and the faith of Caleb and Joshua, the people who trust in you, the people, the two people who trust that you are God who are going to set them free. And we want that faith of Caleb and Joshua. And Lord, um, set us free from the free, free from the, uh, the slavery of uh, fear uh, and set us free 
from the bondage of death because Jesus Christ, you have conquered death. And Lord, uh, we want to uh, pray for a freedom from the power of the slavery by the power of Jesus Christ on the cross. And as I said, Lord, I want to pray for, for people who are lonely this morning, who feel lonely, who feel that they're not loved, who feel that no one can understand them. And, and I pray, Lord, you will set them free because you know exactly what they're going through in their life. And as they come to you this morning, uh, Lord, I want you to set them free. And I also want to pray for those who have not yet received Christ, but you heard about Christ this morning and you heard about what Christ has done many thousand years ago to the Israelites and what happened to my life and to other people's life. And, uh, and if peop- and Christ can set me free, He can also set you free. And what you need to do this morning is to accept Christ as a Savior. So if you want to accept Christ as a Savior, you can just raise your hand, you can come in front, you can just ask the friend next to you to pray for you to accept Christ as a Savior so that the old has gone and the new has come. Lord, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, let's stay there and let uh, the worship team help you to minister to you as you pray. And please feel free to come up and we would love to pray for you.